Welcome to A Deeper Life with the Flowers. We are here to help you strive and to live a life of profound purpose while equipping you to be a healthy and joyful person. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by Flowers Coaching. If you want to support what we're doing here, we would love it if you would just rate and review this podcast. Um, We're four weeks into this now, so uh, it's been really exciting. So thank you so much if you've already done that. And if you haven't, we'd love it if you would take the time to do that. Um, So today, so far, I feel like we've talked a lot about um, I guess like morning routines and kind of just practical things you can do in your life today. We're really getting into how you can have a deeper life by talking about a hot topic. Um, not the store, but an idea that a lot of people get into a lot, um, to the hot topic for today, uh, is we're going to be talking about calling and what that means. So I'm at this point going to hand it over to my wife, Ellie, uh, who's with me here today to work through that with you all. Yes. Okay. So what's funny is uh, our first episode just came out for us a lifetime yesterday. Um, at this point, it'll be, you know, a month later. But I re-listened to it, which, by the way, is one of the more cringy things you can do is listening to yourself talk. <laughs> I hate it. But um, I need to do it. So anyhow, I say in there, I hate the word calling or I hate the term called, which isn't true. It's not that I hate that word. It's that I think it's very misunderstood and misused, especially in Christian circles. And so, yeah, I, sorry. I I feel like Christian circles specifically can almost like weaponize it sometime or, or, uh, use it as something to hold you hostage. You know, like it's your calling to give, it's your calling to miss whatever you're doing and come to do this thing. And and it's not necessarily something that um, is used to really help people know who they are and how they should be living. Yeah. Or it's over-spiritualized that it's this one mm-hmm. profound moment where... Yeah, like you're at a CIY or a youth event when you're 15 and something happens that changes your life forever because of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, today we're talking about the misconceptions of your calling. Now you can also trade out the word calling for purpose. So those two things will be interchangeable. Um, so I'm just going to dive right into that. So, um, also disclaimer, I am 36 weeks pregnant tomorrow. Eventually in these podcasts, I will not be so breathy, but I'm still just so uncomfortable and really just having a hard time breathing. So stick with me. I promise that will get better. Um, Okay. So first of all, the first misconception is that your calling or purpose is lifelong. Um, And this can just be so paralyzing that we're, again, as we talked about, you're supposed to get this divine moment from God about what you're supposed to do for the rest of your life and that you're going to be fully passionate about it. You're going to get paid for it. It's something that you're going to do every day for the rest of your life. Um, and You that, never have to, what is the saying? It's you never have to work a day in your life if you're doing what you love <laughs> or if you're doing your, you know, there's something like that. Yeah. Yes. Just so much pressure. And it starts when you're in high school. Like you have at 17 to, to decide what you want to do, what career path you want to go down, where you want to live. And... I mean, no, I'm 
for the most part. No one's experience is actually that, that they know mm-hmm. what they want to do. They f- follow the right steps and then they get to do what they love and are passionate about forever. So taking away that pressure so that way we can say yes to things as God puts them in front of us. Well, and I feel like it's just really hard to look back at any choice you made when you were 17 and be like, I want this moment or this thing or this idea I had to be like the thesis statement for my entire life. Because I made so many poor choices when I was young like that. And I know a bunch of, you know, I've worked with students and done a bunch of things where it's like, yeah, I see it all the time where people make this choice and like, oh, well, this is just what I've decided and what I think is going to be like my founding principle as I move forward. Right. And, you know, we know our audience is probably not high school students. So you're probably not, you're like, I'm well, I'm way past the high school thing. I realized that didn't work out for me. <laughs> but maybe you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and you're still being like, I'm waiting for this moment, this podcast episode or this sermon or something to come along to give me what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life to give me purpose. And again, it's just this pressure that is just doesn't need to be there. We want to give you that freedom that you, you're you not looking for something that needs to be lifelong. Yeah. The other thing I think I would say too about that is your, so what, what is this one? It's your, uh, that your calling is lifelong. Yeah. Your calling is lifelong. I also feel like your calling, this isn't one of our points, but I'll just throw it in there for free. <laughs> uh, your calling doesn't have to be your career either. So like, yeah, you don't, like we said earlier, you don't have to be doing something where you're like, oh, I get so much, you know, fulfillment and purpose from my job. That's really good. But there's also going to be times where you're going to be like, man, this job is just beating me down and I can't, you know, see light in it. And this is like so hard. And you're like, wait, this was my calling. This is like what's happening. And it's like, no, that's not, your calling does not have to be your job or your career or even what you're doing in the moment. I think like being a parent, you know, like right now you're a parent for a season and you should grow out of that, right? Or you don't grow out of it. Really, your kids grow out of it, right? Like (laughs) I know that there's a lot of people who don't leave the house at 18, but we're designed as people to be like, okay, I had this family growing up. Now I'm going to go start my own family or do my own thing and be away from what has been happening like at home my whole life. Yeah. Um, This is actually, this first point is actually very relevant and personal to Caleb and I right now. Um, For me, I knew since high school that I wanted to do foster care. Um, This is something that I would tell all my high school boyfriends so they all knew what they were getting themselves into. (laughs) Turns out just Caleb needed to know that because he's the one who stuck around. But um, it's, yeah, I, I actually did feel like I had this purpose that I knew I was wanting to do at a young age. I followed all the steps. Um, I wanted to be married to do it, which you don't obviously don't have to be. We owned a house, which again, you don't have to be, but I had these are all, these are your steps, right? Yeah. These (laughs) These are things that I had in my head. Um, you have to be a certain age. So I did all the things and we became a foster parents and now it's been four years and logistically like this is coming to an end because we have no more room in our house. Like our three out of our four foster placements have turned into adoption. They're all really little and I'm pregnant. So it's logistically coming to an end. And what does that mean? Does that mean that my purpose is done? 
that I will never have purpose again because this is this part of my journey is over or at least it's over for right now. Um, and then obviously this is very personal for you. Can I say something about that real quick? Yeah. This, and this is kind of a joke, but maybe not really. But I mean, I think to help you kind of, the listener kind of frame this, you have a pretty successful, I think, Instagram where you just get on and talk about kind of life and foster care and some of the things and you work kind of in the foster care field. I mean, I remember at, at one point people would be like, what's a good foster care Instagram I should follow? And your personal Instagram would get like, shared by strangers who live in, you know, wherever, who are saying like, yep, this is like a great person who I trust and listen to about foster care. And for us now, it's like, well, that's kind of going away. You know, that's not going to be the right, same. Right, so you can unfollow me. Now. Yeah, <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not really into, if you're really into foster care, you don't have to follow Ellie anymore. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, for me, I actually told this story to a group of students last week where um, I have this moment that I look back on and remember, and I feel like it's the moment that God called me into ministry. Um, I was 17 at the time. Uh, I decided kind of where I wanted to go to college based off of that. I transferred where I wanted to go to college based off of that. And I was, I used to have this professor, um, in school who would always say something like, you know, you can do ministry even if you're not collecting like your paycheck from the church. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, that's great, but I want to be like the guy collecting my paycheck from the church. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but like there was just something for me that was like, okay, my calling is to be um, on a church staff doing ministry in a local church area and environment. And like Ellie said, took the steps to do that. Everyone has different paths, but it was like, okay, go to Bible college, figure out what community I want to be a part of, get involved, do that, yada, yada. And I did that for about five years, and I there are times where yeah, like I would pull into work in the morning, and I would think to myself like, this is it, this is, you know you're living the dream, this is all the stuff that you wanted to do, um, and then about I don't know, in March, so eight months ago, uh, that dream very quickly and painfully came to a close, um, and that's all I really want to say about that at this point. But uh, I was suddenly like, oh shoot, this is what I had planned. This is what I felt like I was called to. Um, and I don't know who, I, I don't want to say, I don't know who I am without that, but there was part of it that was like, this was just such a big piece of who I had planned to become. And now I'm trying to figure it out. And, and, you know, uh, I looked at, and during that time I looked at a lot of jobs. Um, some of them were with churches, some of them weren't. Um, and right now, uh, I get to do some ministry type functions. Like I do get to like teach the Bible and do things that I feel personally called and equipped to do. But my main title right now is I'm a PE teacher. And when I looked at this job, I, I said this to Ellie, I was like, I feel like this is a career ender, you know, <laughs> like this doesn't seem <laughs> like the type of role I can accept and come back from and, uh, you know, have any hope of having like positive employment in the future. Uh, that matches my calling, I guess that is. So, um, yeah, I've, I think calling for me has really transformed a lot over the past uh, eight months to try to figure out, like, okay, the I, the ideas I had when I was 17, that was clearly flawed. Like, I don't think, like, even saying it now, I don't feel good about saying, oh, I wanted to be able to collect a church paycheck. Like, that <laughs> feels gross to me now. Um, but there are still things about that that I think 
have developed and become true in me, like teaching the Bible, um, like helping to develop young people. And in the role I'm in now, I do get to do those things and then have some freedom to do some other stuff to continue to exercise different parts of my calling. So, um, yeah. Right. And, you know, it's not that, and I was telling Caleb this like earlier, I was like, it's not that you misunderstood what God was asking you to do. I think you were faithful in going to Bible college and getting the degree that you got. I think you were faithful in doing the internship and then doing ministry at this church for the past five years. I don't think that you misunderstood or, you know, went down the wrong path. It's just that that was a season. It's not that that season is forever over. It's not that you'll never do ministry again. It's just that when you're in this space of, well, I'm not doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing forever, it doesn't mean you're not in your calling. It just means that you're maybe have a different calling right now, and that's still good, and God still honors that, and there's still purpose there. Yeah, and I, I yeah, I think the other thing that was that's been kind of a thing with me with this is, um, yeah, figuring out what when you're looking at your calling and you're like, okay my calling is to be in ministry and blah, blah, blah. You got to figure out what um, those pieces of it are that you're going to hold on to and that you're not going to let someone like take from you. Uh, there was a guy I worked with at the church who told me the story about how uh, he was like a music guy. And so he was into doing some stuff. And eventually someone told him like, he was like, hey, you're not very good at this. I don't want you to do it anymore. And he said he felt like his calling was like taken away from him. And he, he told me, he was like, hey, no one can take away, like, your calling from you. And there have been plenty of times in my life where, especially in the last season of my life, where I was, you know, talking with someone and they're like, hey, like, I don't think you're really called to do this. And it's like, whoa, you're really pulling apart something that's like, that I think who I am. And I'm not cool with that. And we're going to get to that in a minute. So I won't take, you know, I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit and kind of where we're going. But I mean, this is really just me filibustering because Ellie needed to take a big breath. So, Kayla <laughs> can see me. I'll like lean back when I feel like I need to t- take a deep breath. Oh, I one of the cringier parts of the first episode. I was like, I can hear myself breathing when you're talking, and I hate that. Anyhow, okay. So moving on to the second misconception about your calling or your purpose is that. Your calling is your identity. We'll talk a little bit less about this one. There was a lot that connects to the first one with this one. But um, this is something that is very cultural, especially, you know, um, American culture is that I am a teacher. I am a mom. I am a foster mom. I am a pastor. And it becomes our identity. And then when life changes, your kids grow up, um, you have a career change, all of a sudden it feels like a part of you has died instead of just something that you have been doing, partnering with God, partnering with, you know, whatever you're working on, this ministry that you're working on, your kids, um, that it's not who you are, it's just something that you were doing and how we can take away the pressure of my identity is in what my purpose is. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I almost, if I didn't make my Philip Brothers string comment, I think I would have played into that really well. Cause that was what I was trying to say before is that, you know, no one can take it away from you because it's not 
something that like it shouldn't be mixed up as far as who you are. You know, you are more than a pastor mom, you know, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I think that a lot of times you have to figure out how do you continue to, this sounds, you know, like almost how do you have hobbies is what I think I'm trying to think about where it's like, like when I worked at a church, it was like everything I did, thought about, listened to, wanted to talk about was about church. You know, I have a good friend of mine and we would stay up for like hours talking about church, like late at night. And it's like, is this weird? And it's like, and then it's like, well, no, it's not weird because this is our calling. And it's like, well, yeah, that, that probably is a little bit weird because you do need to have pieces of who you are that aren't, you know, that that side of you that is as big of a deal. And then you have to, fi- like, you also have to figure out how you can do that um, and then, like, what you're going to do if it goes away. Because if you make it that big of a deal, when it does go away, you're going to be, yeah, lost. Right. And, you know... Especially when you're doing something that is meaningful and there is purpose For sure. and yeah. it is biblical and God does like make it clear that that's something that we're sh- we should be per- pursuing. Um, it feels natural to make that part of your identity, um, but it's not what God wants us to be known for. We're not known for. So let me let me ask you a question, L. What uh, what do you think in that situation, in that setting? Like if it's like, okay, God doesn't want me to be known for being a foster dad and a pastor, then what does he want me to be like known for? Right. Well, um, okay. So <clears throat> good question. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> what this is all about. Right. Um, you know, who we are is we, we belong to Christ and we are, and I think ministry specifically is the hardest one where it's like, me being pastor, I am doing the Great Commission. Like, that is literally what mm-hmm. we all are supposed to be doing. I mean, hopefully, right? If you're, right. If you're a good pastor, yeah. Right. And it's something that we're all supposed to be doing. So what does it look like when I'm no longer a pastor? Well, yeah, you take the identity away of, like, this is something I am doing vocationally or even in a volunteer position, but I am still living out the Great Commission. I am still sharing the gospel. I am still doing life with Christ. Um, it's, But again, it's like, it's trippy. It makes your head spin, but it is just this detangling of like who I am is not what I do. It is. But who Jesus says you are, right? right. I feel like that's the, that's the Christianese way of... You know, and it's a hard thing to try to figure out if you're not, um, you know, really dialed in on what you think that is true. I used to do this exercise with students, and it was like, okay, I want you to, you know, get a pen and paper, and you write down, like, what do you think that God thinks about you? And they are always, like, the number one thing I get is, like, God's mad at me. And it's like, okay, well, why do you think God's mad at you? And they're like, well, because I had sex, or I did drugs, or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, you have a flawed... We have a clean podcast, so <laughs> hey, if, if... now that you just said the S-E-X word, we have to have a, a thing at the beginning that kids aren't around. <laughs> I don't... Really, for that word? <laughs> Imagine if someone's driving their car right now with 
dropping their preschooler off. Drive with your AirPods in. I know that's a little bit against the law, but I do it all the time. Um, but And so there is kind of this idea that, you know, you got to really know what is it that God says about you. Okay. So I knew that I wanted to talk about misconceptions of calling and that I'm just really passionate about, like, this whole calling term. And so I was praying about it, and I was really trying to figure out this third point, like what is, what is God wanting us to know about calling? And I'm so excited about this because I feel like what he like showed me and revealed to me is something I've never really like heard explained before, um, and that is your calling is not yours. So the misconception that like I specifically am called to this thing, I am the leader of it, and I feel um, passionate about this thing. And that is just something that, again, it's just this pressure of I need to be doing something that I feel so passionate about. I'm doing it all the time. And um, it's unique to me. And it's not something my friend is doing. It's not something my family's doing. Sorry, I had to take a breath. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm a mess. But anyhow, I, well, here you 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 take a breath, and I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll speak to that okay. real quick. I think a good example of this um, is foster care for us. So, like Ellie said, she had always wanted to, uh, you know, do foster care and and blah blah blah. Uh, but part of the reason why that's part of her story is because she grew up having foster siblings, and her that was like what her parents did, and so. Uh, we're like, yeah, you don't have to do something because your parents did it. I do think there's something to like you do something because like you're in a community that is like a piece and a part of that. And so. Um, right. Or it's something that you, for me, doing foster care was because I, I knew the need. I knew too much about this need. And so I felt like it was something that I naturally could step into and do quote unquote well um, which is actually, this is really hard for me as an Enneagram four. Like I am very individualistic. I want to be unique. I don't want to be doing things that other people are doing. Um, but that is all. And that's also very American culture, right? That like we are our own people and that, um, community is just not something that like is done very well, but specifically with your calling. And again, this is, if we think of it as something that is seasonal, not your identity, it doesn't have to be yours. It can be, you know, your church is doing an initiative for wrapping around foster parents and you don't care about foster care, but this is something that's put in front of you right now. And maybe that's something that God's just asking you to be faithful and say yes to. Maybe your friend just became a single mom um, and you don't necessarily feel called, quote unquote, to care about single moms for the rest of your life, but God has put this friend in front of you or this neighbor in front of you who needs help, you know, picking up our kids on Tuesdays. And that is you being faithful and being having purpose is saying yes to those things. Um, or, you know, again, your spouse feels called to something, your friend feels called to something. If we all were pursuing going full steam ahead on something that we were passionate about, we were pursuing, if every single one of us were doing that, nothing would get done because we need each other. We need in seasons 
to come alongside other people's very clear purpose and help them move along, equip them, volunteer, do all the things, you know. I could not have done foster care without my husband coming alongside me, without my family saying yes to, um, even if they didn't necessarily feel this divine moment of this is what I'm supposed to do is to help Ellie do this thing. Yeah. And I, one of the things I, f- I feel like you're trying to say is that, that calling is always God's in a way. There's a, I th- so I'm going to really, I'm going to butcher this anecdote. Um, there's a book that came out like in the eighties that deals a lot with this. And then I think Bono, you know, the artist, everyone knows who Bono is, got it from the book. And it's this idea of, um, you got to like look around and see what else God is already doing around you and then join him in doing that work. So like, yeah, you're not, you're not going, you know what, today I'm going to, um, start a new whatever. It's like, let's see what, what is God already up to? What is he already doing in my life and my community? And how can I join in on that? Absolutely. Um, that also reminds me of um, a friend I have who she works in nonprofit space, like helping nonprofits. And she specifically says, like, if you're feeling called to doing something with a nonprofit, don't start a nonprofit. Go join one that's already doing what you're wanting to do. Most likely there already is this nonprofit that exists. Come alongside them. Um, again, it's like this, I don't know if it's American culture. I don't know if it's just um, that I hate, I don't know if I want to say this. Well, it, it's kind of like a savior complex. I think yes. I, I think I know yes. what, I think I know exactly what word you were trying to think of. <laughs> yes, where it's like it has to be my thing that I started that I'm the leader of um and then you get a big pat on the back, but looking around and just being like how can I help other people pursue what they're already doing? That is purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly is. And then also I think that that is it puts you in like a place of humility where you can go, okay, I'm going to like learn from these people. I'm going to, you know, kind of understand more about how this works instead of a place of, I guess, urgency is the other thing. Because if you decide you want to go start a nonprofit, that is not easy. And you're going to spend more time. You're going to spend more time like doing logistics and less time actually getting to serve. And now, you know, logistics is service, but there are ways I think that, yeah, we could be more effective um, based off of doing what God is already doing around us. Absolutely. And I think faithfulness is saying yes to small things, and then God will then give you big things if you're willing to say yes to the small things. So, you know, foster care is going to be an example, sorry, all the time. But (laughs) if you're saying yes to helping a person in your church who is doing foster care and then you get to be around those kids you get to understand the need you are going to be a better foster parent if that's eventually what you're going to step into versus just well I know nothing about this I don't know anybody who's doing it which God can absolutely just lead you full force into something but again like this savior type thing is that we feel like we have to do the big thing on our own and we really you know Maybe our first step and the best step is saying yes to helping someone else 
doing something. Right. And so, yeah, you don't have to go in it alone. And the real thing here, right, is that the world has a savior and it's not you. (laughs) (laughs) So figure out what he already is doing and, you know, go along with that. Yeah, well, great. I, I, Again, I'm so passionate about this. I feel like I could talk about it all day long because um, I just I, – I hope you listen to this and walk away feeling free because I think calling and purpose, the way that it's presented, it puts it very much in a box. And I hope you can walk away from this feeling like I can look around and see purpose and calling in a different way. And I know now – Today, something I can say yes to is purposeful and could be something that I'm called to today, (laughs) just today. Totally. Well, thank you so much for listening to us. If you have any questions, feel free to DM us at our Instagram. Um, Ellie, that Instagram handle is flowers.coaching. Yes, I think so. Sweet, crushed it. So feel free to DM us there. Um, We're so glad that you joined us, and I hope that you got a lot out of it. We'll be back next week, um, and until then, we will talk to you next time. That didn't sound great, but you get get the idea. See you later. (laughs) 